So welcome to episode 65 of the Daz and Daz NBA podcast. And once again, we're joined by a special guest, uh, Daz. And we've only ever had one other person on the pod before, and he's back again uh, because his beloved Cleveland Cavaliers are in the news uh, once again, this time for the wrong, all the wrong reasons. Though. So we welcome Andrew Cleaver once again. How are you feeling, Andrew, about the uh, the Ty Lu era coming to an end uh, today? Uh, look, uh, just shattered. Uh, you know, Ty. He was, yeah, one of the one of the great coaches, really, wasn't he? Uh, <laughs> I can almost say that with a straight face. Uh, about two years too late, but um, yeah, zero and six. What is there to say? Well, what do you think, Daz? I mean, are you ready to pour one out for the the Ty Lue era? I know you were high on the Cavs coming into the year. I think you had them pegged to the 45-50 win team, but uh, unfortunately, <laughs> hasn't quite hasn't quite gotten the way the way you would have liked. You see, I made my pound the over declaration when it was thirty and a half. I, st- I was still quite very confident up, um, you know, to start the season. But it was based on an assumption that the general manager and the coach, like, did their jobs. And so um, we think we've seen, I don't know where the reporting had been all summer. We're now certainly seeing after the fact that they had disagreements this summer about the direction of the team. Do they go young? Do they go old, et cetera? So um, I, I find this, again, once we now have heard all these sort of the, the laundry get, um, get aired here, it's it's not surprising that something had to give here. Um, I've probably no doubt that we've the, it's been underreported about Dan Gilbert's um, perhaps changing of the changing of the minds um, is probably what's probably what's precipitated this. But it's um, it looks sounds like an inevitable sort of end given what we're we're here and you're out just complete um, completely on the opposite page between Kobe and. Ty Lue as to what this team is and where it should head this year. How did you feel, Andrew, coming into the season? Because I had this team ranked as the second worst in the NBA, and I said I might be too high on them the way they've started. Whereas Daz was, to be fair to him, wasn't exactly massively high on them, but he did think they'd be playing off, pushing for the playoffs in the, in the East. How did you sort of feel about this team heading into the season? Yeah, I was closer to, to where, how Daz was feeling because... Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we, we lost a player of, of reasonable talent uh, in the off-season. But you did um, replace him with uh, Chetty Osman. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that, that's, that's fine. I mean, yeah, they're very comparable. They're hanging out together in the off-season. I thought, you know, a bit of, uh, <laughs> bit of LeBron might have rubbed off on him. But, um, no, nah, look, I, I, obviously, I, I didn't have any huge expectations. But I thought they'd sort of be pretty competitive and for... Yeah, the the better part of the the season would be hovering somewhere between yeah eight and ten in in the east, and and yeah may even push for that uh, that bottom spot. I mean, you know, the, the, if you looked at the roster on on paper, I mean, you know, you had uh, you know, Kevin Love. Oh, I was kind of maybe I was uh, stretching, but I was sort of hoping he'd, he'd get back to that uh, you know Timberwolves Kevin Love and. And uh, you know, Seti Osman might have might have taken a, a a small leap, and Colin Sexton might have uh, pushed him a little bit. But um, yeah, I had him had him pinned in for somewhere around the sort of low to mid thirties in uh, in wins. But um, yeah, doesn't uh, doesn't quite look like we're going to crack that. I'd say for me. No, I wouldn't think so. I mean, it hasn't exactly been a hard schedule either, which I think played into 
uh, Ty Lu's problems. I mean, you, you see the Wizards have started one and five, but they're currently in the midst of a, a Western Conference road swing. So you can forgive that to some extent. Whereas you know the Cavs are being being trucked by the Nets and and the Hawks at home and the Pacers as well. The Pacers obviously a little bit better team, but they've just not been competitive. So I think the writing was on the wall for Ty Lu once once that Hawks result came in to me um, where they were going to be. How do you approach the rest of the season there, Andrew? I mean, do you want to see the young guys? Obviously, Sexton's going to be one of those guys, but obviously Nance and, and Osman as well. I mean, is that is it just all about the future now, or, or is there still something you can salvage out of this season with Larry Drew? <laughs> uh, the something we can salvage is uh, trying to boost uh, J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, uh, Tristan Thompson, and Kevin Love's trade value uh, between now and the trade deadline. Um, well, and, just on and, that, and do, just uh, I'll just interrupt you there. I just want to. I've got a question for Daz. Would here's a question without notice. Would Kevin Love have more value as an expiring contract to trade, or on the contract he's on there, where it's multiple years? That's a great question. Um, if he's a hundred percent healthy, I actually think it might be the latter, because uh, Kevin Love as a rental, you know, might get you a maybe a protected, you know, I don't know you know, a Houston-type first-rounder or a Boston-type first-rounder. Well, he is currently injured. First rounder. I'll, put, I'll point that's that out. That's what I'm saying. That's why I think, yeah, under if he's not 100% healthy, I would have to actually say that expiring. But, again, I think 100% Kevin Love, I think he'd be worth similar to Blake, what oh, Blake got no, last year. Oh, no, 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 no way. Well, I actually think, again, like I said, 100% healthy is a qualifier. I'd say he and Blake have probably similar type histories, and I'm I'm very much of the camp and was back then that a lot of Blake's success was so determined by his athleticism. Where I still believe if Kevin Love with his head on right, Kevin Love can be a super skilled, you know, um, you know, twenty five thirty minute a, a night player. So um, I'm not saying this is a he's not worth Paul George, and he's not worth you know, Kyrie Irving, but if your question was, is he worth more on this long-term deal or the expiring, I'd say it's the long-term deal if he's healthy. Yeah, well, I don't think he is, and I think the word's out that he's not healthy. I mean, even the numbers he's been putting up so far have not been uh, stellar, to say the least, it, particularly within this team context, to not even be scoring at 20 points a game, I think was an indictment. Um, on, on the, admittedly, well, only in a small sample size, but I, th- I don't think he is healthy. He's already missed, missing games of injury. Um, and I would think on an expiring deal, he'd probably be worth more because I don't think anyone wants to be hamstrung um, with that contract around their, around their neck. Uh, it is remarkable. I'd be curious about, Andrew, what, what the... Um, what the fan base is sort of feeling like at the moment, because again, why I was so again modestly high again versus the Vegas odds, I had them at like a 35 win team. I thought it's a very stable roster. They kept the band together. They even brought back Rodney Hood. I didn't like that they extended Nance and Love, but I go, you could buy the logic of it to sort of say that it all very clearly pointed towards we're going to give our young coach who's got three years left on his deal. We're going to give him a chance to mold this team. We're going to plug in a, a Colin Sexton, who, you know, very clearly would be a bench piece um, coming off the bench behind a George Hill. And I kind of go, okay, give, give this coach a youngish roster. 
with some veterans who got a lot of playoff experience, see what he can make of it. And there's a lots of players with lots to prove, right? What George Hill was something to prove. J.R. Smith was something to prove. Kevin was something to prove. So I kind of, it was not a tough story. And again, their actions were quite aligned to it. And so it so clearly was not the case. What must have been happening is this, let's go young and go the youth movement. No, let's play the veterans. No, let's go young. Mm. And then Kobe told Cold Ty, you know, hey, you better play the young kids. And so he did, and they lost two games. Then he usurped Kobe and put, you know, Corver and JR back in the rotation, and they lost two games anyway. So I'm like, if you're going to go around your boss, even for its two games, you better win those two bloody games, and they didn't. And so mm. I don't know where how quote-unquote healthy or unhealthy Kevin is, but if I'm Kevin, I'm like, let's just let this shit unfold and let's see what happens and I'll sort of reevaluate. And he probably was, you know, texting Kawhi on, you know, benchmarking how, <laughs> how to handle the situation. So anyways, I, that's sort of the anatomy of the train wreck. That's why I'm actually quite surprised because their behaviors seemed quite aligned to bring the band back, give the young coach a chance, see what he can make of it, and let's see what happens. So I'm, I'm just shocked that it's, it's actually been so dysfunctional behind the scenes. Yeah, I, the, the feeling that I got was that, uh, yeah, that's right. I mean, the, apart from LeBron and uh, Jeff Green, I suppose, uh, yeah, the, the, the team is basically the same as, as, as it has been the last couple of years. Um, and the feeling that, that, that I got coming into it is that, that we were going to play you know, Love and Smith and, and, and all those guys. And, and uh, oh, yeah, there goes the IPA. Um <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, be able to bring along Sexton, you know, play him for 20-odd yeah. minutes a night and, and, and that sort of thing, just to bring them along naturally that way. But, um, oh, God. I mean, so I didn't mind them extending Nance. Um, uh, he's a, I mean, is he going to be an all-star? Probably not. But, you know, he, he's, he's, he's only young. Um, you know, they give him the, the, the rookie extension and... Yeah, you know, basically, see see what happens. I mean, Christ, who else are we going to give money to over the over the next few years? It's not exactly like we're going to be a haven for free agency uh, going forward. So, you know, if he if he makes something of himself, I, I didn't, didn't mind that that move. But um, yeah, as far as the the mood of the fan base goes, I, I don't think the, the the sense that I get or got uh, certainly with what I read was reading around the traps today after Lou got canned was that. Yeah, we, we, the Cavs fans in general were pretty uh, pretty realistic going into this season. We we knew that yeah, that, that, that the playoffs were probably going to happen, which is uh, a very unusual thing for a uh, yeah. you know, four time NBA Finals team <laughs> to, to to come to terms with. But um, yeah, no, no one we didn't expect to get zero and six and be and be looking and and to be truly looking like an zero and sixteen. It's, it's not even like, you know, the, the, the Thunder that started 0-4 and you go, well, you know that the Thunder aren't really an 0-14. Like, the Cavs are an 0-16 in, in the truest sense of the word. Yeah, that's right. I, I think, that, as I say, the, the, the poor performances at home in particular, I think, was, was the writing on the wall. So they needed to, to make a move. Uh, and apparently also behind the scenes there was talk that they wanted to play Sexton more, they wanted to play the young guys more. Mm. And uh, Altman sort of had suggested to Lou to bench uh, Corver and Jar Smith, and he did it for one game, and then they were back the very next game. So I think there was a bit of a misalignment about what they thought they were going to get out of this season. 
Um, another question for you, Andrew, just looking back, I mean, any regrets in the way Cleveland handled their last couple of years in terms of just these constant sort of short-term deals just trying to get back to the finals? I mean, I guess when you look at it, yes, it's nice to get back to the finals, but could could they have done it differently, I guess, from your point of view? Oh, God, I mean, they, they could have done a thousand things differently, I suppose. But, um, uh, look, I mean, if, if you looked at each move in a vacuum, there, there was there was a lot of trades that they lost. There's no doubt. I mean, you know, if you go right back, they gave up two first-rounders for Timofey Mozgov, um, which, you know... Well, he <laughs> you was good in that, that first run. Not... He was good in that first but, round that, of the that's finals. That's it, that's it. So, so, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of those sort of moves. I mean, you know... Obviously, the big one was Kyrie uh, going into into last season. Could they have handled that better? No doubt. Um, you know that that coupled with the David Griffin situation that was going on at the same time. Um, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, Dan Gilbert is on the Mount Rushmore of shithouse owners. Um, there's, yeah. there's no no doubt about that. But um, but on the, at the same on the other hand, like how, how can I complain? Like hello, I'm a Cleveland fan. I mean, you know, I, 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 I watched uh, my, my other football team lose for about the 95th time in three <laughs> years this morning. <laughs> Who, well, you know, haven't made the playoffs in 15 years or whatever. You know, the Indians haven't won since 48. Like, you know, we, we just made four straight NBA finals and we won one of them you know, against the greatest team possibly in the history of the NBA. I mean... Could we have done things different? Sure, but yeah, do I do? Am I going to whinge about it? Um, yeah, only only if I've had a few drinks. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Daz? I mean, do you look back now that this is the end of the, that sort of Cleveland era? Do you feel like maybe they left they left one on the table, or were they just should they be happy to just get that one that they did get? We could have, would have, should have, could have on the Kyrie trade. Look, I was of the mind, or I rated that a, a bloody win for Cleveland, right? Mm. With a bunch of bunch of with a bunch of other assumptions, and I wasn't. We weren't the only ones who thought, you know what? That's pretty good for a guy who wanted out. Obviously, that turned out to be a a complete disaster, um, mostly because Isaiah was nowhere near himself, and then the locker room just sort of went pear shaped. So, last year I think was the year to get it, and it didn't work, right? Could they have kept Tyree? Yes, root cause for that for me is, is David Griffin being gone. I think Griffin would have found a way to make those guys go, hey, let's have one more run and and, and, and have a crack at it. So that for me is probably the painful part as it goes back to Gilbert, which is being cheap, letting Griffin go, and then having that sort of start to let the fracturing of of the superstars of Kyrie and LeBron you know, bleed into what became – this roster and that's why this move for me is a bit shitty as well and it pays to be the boss because it's Kobe Altman firing his coach and I go, What, you you're the one who acquired Jordan Clarkson and and Rodney Hood and Larry Nance and right now you're gonna fire the coach because he can't make this roster win. So I guess I'll call it misalignment, but it pays to be the boss in this situation. Right? Yeah, no that's I, I, I would also say about you know, leaving one on the table that, that, that don't forget that Golden State did add a certain Kevin Durant to their roster after we won in, in 16. Well, and, it's an and, interesting and that, sliding doors moment, isn't it? If Cavs don't win in 16, 
are the Cavs almost better place because KD's already said he wouldn't have gone to Golden State. Oh. Then what happens with the landscape of the NBA? I mean, it's 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 so crazy how how many oh. things in that particular off-season just flipped on a dime on a few different calls or, or, or bounces of the ball that went one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, that that was the killer for me. Like, I, you know, obviously that whole 2016 finals for me was, like, euphoric, but then just to, to have the sucker punch, like, you know, I was thinking, you beauty, here we go, we could win one or two more in, in LeBron's window. And then when they signed Durant, poof, that, 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 that was it. They flipped that all on, that, on its head and then, you know, obviously the Kyrie thing happened the, the, the next year. But, um, yeah, I, uh, so now so, you're depressing. You're depressing. Yes. <laughs> so what we're saying is if Kyrie misses that shot, they probably win two more titles. Well, possible. <laughs> Kyrie but it is, but there's, that is possible. That. There is a world where Kyrie misses that shot and Cleveland win two titles instead of winning one. <laughs> ah, look, yeah. Uh, having having gone my entire life without seeing Cleveland win anything, I'll, I'll, I'll take Kyrie hitting that shot every first day. Of the Thank you very much. Look, there, <laughs> is, there is also a world where they listen to me and keep Andrew Wiggins and don't win any titles. Oh, so yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, have to yeah. finally admit defeat on that one, I think. So last <laughs> question, Andrew. What's your, what's your thoughts about LeBron? I mean, are you still – I know I've got a mate of mine. He just follows LeBron's. So he just got rid of his Cleveland gear and there he's in Lakers gear. I mean, do you nah. – obviously that's not quite as bad as when he went to Miami, but do you look at him and say, I'm still rooting for that guy a little bit or do you, are you just like, no, nah, I'm not that interested? Uh, look, it's it's certainly not the Miami days. I, I could not even watch him in that uniform and I and I still to this day hate seeing people down the street wearing that, that, that heat shirt. <laughs> But uh, no, <laughs> we were at uh, we were at uh, Alison's son's birthday party on the weekend, and I saw my first uh, kid wearing a LeBron Lakers jersey. It mm. looked wrong, but I was okay. <laughs> I was okay. <laughs> um, I've watched him a little bit this year. I, I I don't I don't like it, but I mean it's it's yeah. The the guy did what he said he was going to do. He came home. He won a title. He took us to four four finals and. We all knew he was going to go. He didn't do it in the uh, yeah, egregious way that he did it uh, the first time, although he you know, could have dropped some hints along the way, so we didn't uh, keep going on those little short-term uh, you know, trading away all our draft picks thing, but that's another story. Mm-hmm. Um, now, nah, look, I, I still, I, 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 he will always be my favourite basketballer, narrowly in front of Mark Price. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I've got no hate for him. But uh, that said, do I want to see him lift a title with the Lakers? Not really. <laughs> well, there is a chance. Look, I mean, given given the Cavs' penchant for wielding number one draft picks, they could get Bron Jr. and then uh, oh. LeBron comes back in a season age forty two season and uh, plays I, I, with his son. I still think yes. I still think that there's a there's a big chance he comes back for the third time. Yeah, for his for his, his like Kevin Kevin Garnett style. I think there's, yeah, I I would be surprised if we don't see him at least once one more time, one more season in a Cleveland jersey, to be honest. But uh, we'll wait and see. All right, mate, well, we'll let you go now. Have you got anything else you wanted to say, Daz? Um, Commiserations to Andrew. It's going to be a long season from here. (laughs) You've gone through plenty of those, though, in Milwaukee. It's it's more... Yeah, it's a good... I have to be honest, boys. I have no empathy because I have no reference point as a Spurs fan, oh, for what you're going God, to be going go. through. 
Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, no empathy, that's right. Look, we just went through it in a way, right, um, with very different circumstances, but the, the completely lost season, which was last year with Jason Kidd, you know, where everyone said we should have fired him in the summer when we wanted to for different circumstances, they didn't. Similar, it sounds like similar reasons in Cleveland, perhaps, if they had gotten a different coach in the summer, at least could have given a message to the fan base, hey, we're going young. And going into the, you know, the veteran players were, you know, we're going to try and make more and more run in it. Sounds like they've been schizophrenic. So I'd say that's fucked up. So now this sounds like they're going to go young and you've got Kevin Love on a, right, $140 million extension. That sounds, that sounds pretty shitty. That sounds like a situation that's going to have to solve itself. But I guess at least it's six games in and not 56. Because better now than, again, in probably in February, to be honest. So let the, let the tank begin is, is I guess, the... The only thing I, I would say it's just, it's tank time, and there's no no question they'll finish in the in the top ten in the lottery and, and keep their pick. well. No one's so, had more success tanking than the Cleveland Cavaliers in the last twenty years. I'd suggest. Yeah, there's a lot of ping pong. What is it? There. Four four number one picks. It is. It's it's it four, is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. LeBron, LeBron, Wiggins, Kyrie, and of course the immortal Anthony Bennett. <laughs> Yeah. That doesn't count. That's the one that. Three for four that's the bad. asterisk. <laughs> yeah, at least he's he's not in the uh, in the draft class next year. So uh, yeah, it'll, it'll it'll be good. When's the, when's college kick off this week? Yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be ah oh, oh, I can't wait to follow that. RJ Barrett. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. See what happens. All right, mate. Thanks for joining us tonight, and we'll uh, we might catch up again uh, at some stage um, uh, down the track yeah, if, yeah, if Cleveland are yeah. relevant. If, if we're 0-40, I'll, uh, I'll come back on. <laughs> hey, don't dismiss it. <laughs> All right, boys. All right, mate. Thanks for that. See you, buddy. All right, mate. I'll cut a little bit of this out. So from here, um, I thought well, we might talk about a couple of the other train wreck teams. I'd love to. <laughs> and then we'll talk about I, I want to talk I want to dig into this Toronto Milwaukee matchup. Um Sure. That's the that's the marquee matchup at the moment and then uh, maybe just talk about the west um and just that middle of the middle of the west and how that's sort of shaking out early because I think it, it's that that's already fascinating that Western Conference playoff race. So we might just do train wreck Toronto, Milwaukee, middle of the West, and then we'll see. That, that should probably see us out anyway. So your your two other train wrecks? Minnesota I've got Washington, Washington, Minnesota, and Washington, yes. And Oklahoma? Okay. Oh, not really. Okay, see one today. I think, you know, Phoenix are probably a train wreck, although we expected that, so that's probably not one to cover. Um, a team I think is a train wreck, but I'm not game to say it is Dallas because they play the Spurs tomorrow. And if I go on about how much of a train wreck they are tonight, they'll beat the Spurs tomorrow. So I don't want to jinx it. I think they've got too much coaching in Dallas, don't they? I, just, that's I watched them today, Daz. Like, they are terrible. They're just a they? bad okay. basketball team. Yeah, okay. Who was, who'd they have today? Was it Dallas? They had Utah today. Stone. So they had a good team today. But Utah were just uh, toying okay. with them. It was, okay. And I, Doncic doesn't... Right. I haven't been overly impressed with Doncic so far either, to be honest. Well, this is the debate. This is the Kevin O'Connor versus, you know, Chris Vernon debate is that Kevin O'Connor thought you got to look at the, you know, he's got the crazy accent. <laughs> he just goes on production, 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 production. 
and you know don't discount production and Verno's like he looks like he's just eaten you know four big macs and <laughs> and he just doesn't he doesn't he doesn't look the part like he doesn't pass the eye test well he doesn't but, um, exactly you're exactly right and I, I just think and neither does Dennis he is Smith. slow yeah so well Smith but we but Smith okay, and we him are a good Dallas, fit. Yeah. we might talk about Dallas but right. I go to, again to be fair though. I mean, they fucking played the Raptors and the Jazz back to back, and I'm like, you know, oh, they smoked. Yeah, but then oh, they, they beat they, Atlanta. They were up 26 against Atlanta and lost. So. Okay, that's true. And they lost to the Suns by 21. Mm. So, <laughs> okay. Anyway, all right. Warning signs. Okay. Okay, Daz, well, we left Andrew there, and, and the theme of what we wanted to talk about tonight is really about the train wreck teams, and there's, there's teams that are already sort of their seasons are careening off the track, and I know you've taken great pleasure uh, having been in that situation. Although, to be fair, I think Milwaukee haven't had that many train wreck seasons, have they? It's, it, Milwaukee have sort of been around that dreaded middle of the NBA for many years. Um but there's, there's a few teams that are really uh, careening off the track, and, and you're relishing it, Daz, and I think that's quite cruel, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I like to see successful. I like to see success across the league, unless it's in Boston or LA. But there's two teams that have really caught our eye this week, and another one that I think, another couple at least, actually, that I think there should be a watch on. But uh, the Washington Wizards were blown out today by 32 points by the LA Clippers. And Minnesota were blown out by your Milwaukee Bucks, Daz. What was the final score in that one? Something like one twenty-five, ninety-five. Yeah, that was that close, and that, that that was probably uh, yeah, um, that was that was misleading that score. So Washington, I'll, I'll forgive to the extent I, I mentioned this earlier. They are on a Western Conference road swing at the moment, so that's that's as bad as hard as you can start. Now it hasn't been a ridiculously hard Western Conference road swing. They've had Sacramento and the Clippers amongst other teams in that road swing. I think Portland was one of the games they actually won uh, on the road there. That's the only game they've won so far. They have been competitive too at different times, but you can just sense there as the wheels are starting to fall off. Um, and they're certainly missing Dwight Howard. They're, they're starting young Mahimney. He was terrible again today. Um, so this is a team that I think they expected to have Dwight Howard there. He's not there. No one seems to know when he's going to be back. And uh, John Wall, to the surprise of no one, hasn't really hit the ground running this so far this season. Um, have you seen any of Washington? What, what have you sort of, if you have, what have you seen or what have you sort of hearing uh, about the Wizards and where their season's headed? I'm going to give you the Bradley Beal quote after the game. You're being way too kind. The game they blew at Sacramento, right? Sacramento are three and three just quietly. So let's not let's not sleep completely on on the Kings as a competitive I'm going to NBA give you the, team. I'm going to give you the quote from Bradley Beal, and you can okay, fair enough. Quote: Sometimes we have our own agendas on the floor, whether it's complaining about shots, complaining about playing time, complaining about whatever it may be. Beal said. We're worried about the wrong expletive, and that's not where our focus needs to be, and it's just going to continue to hurt us. And here's what John Wall um, had to say when asked a similar question. we got guys who's worried about who's getting shots, where the ball's going on the offensive end. We should never worry about that. No matter if we're missing or making shots, we've got to be able to compete on the other end. If you can't do it on both ends of the floor, you don't need to be playing. Yikes! That's well, five games into the season. Are they right? talking about each other there, or is there other teammates that they're talking? They're about? talking about um, Otto Porter. They're talking about Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre, basically. 
So now they're so the two leaders of the team are calling out Porter and Ubre because Ubre has been earning times, and now Scotty Brooks is having to defend playing you know Kelly Ubre, uh, playing him more because he's taking shots and making them. So so what we can't see is what happens in the locker room about you know is Kelly Ubre peacocking in the locker room after scoring 22 points after a loss. And feeling good, I, I don't know, right? But I go, that's the kind of language where this is the most highly predictable choo-choo that we saw coming this season next to Tom Thibodeau's chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga train wreck <laughs> happening in Minnesota was this clown car of a franchise. So you're right, it's been a bit of a tough, it's not been the easiest schedule, it's not been the hardest schedule, but yet they're on a early season road trip, which was which is not the easiest thing. And yes, they were victim to um, peak, peak, peak Steph Curry. I mean, peak Steph Curry yeah. a couple nights ago. So that's what I did watch, Daz, but I didn't watch it for the Washington Wizards. I watched it to watch um, when all of us who just lose our minds and we get obsessed with Giannis and Anthony Davis conversation, you watch Steph Curry play and you go, there's, that's, I go, Giannis could literally average 30 and 15, but when Steph plays like that, he's the no brain, unequivocal, unquestioned, unanimous MVP. He plays a different sport. He literally tilts the floor like we have maybe like if Shaq if Shaq never had Kobe and could just catch the ball and had you know had a usage rate of forty percent, Shaq could tilt the floor in the mm. way that Steph does this in a very different way. But um Well he did so it again against the Nets today too, just quietly. Yeah, a bit of fun, wasn't it? Just it's just remarkable. A flick of a wrist, it's like a free throw. You just know he's flicks that wrist from thirty two feet and it's you can just see it's all feel. It's just remarkable. It's just, it's feel. Um, like throwing a dart at a dartboard, basically. You just know you're going to hit it. But so, but, but back to Washington. Look, the, the personalities we knew were going to be a, a challenge. The partying John Wall was going to be a challenge. The two superstars who hate each other, Beal and Wall, are suddenly sort of on the same side, which adds a new fracture to the locker room against the young guys about who are trying to come up and, and barrack for points and get more playing time. And Dwight hasn't even made an appearance yet. It is just, it's a, the most highly predictable concoction um, of, of, of the of the season. So they've got time to right the ship. The East is still mostly an abyss, you know, outside, you know, the playoff team. So they could still, if that's a definition of success in Washington, you know, you know, in a couple of weeks time, be back to 500 and, you know, feeling good about being the eighth seed again. But it, it, this could go off the rails. Well, what quickly. do they do? I mean, it, it's an interesting situation because you've got John Wall, who his value has probably never never been lower than what it is now because he's on that massive yeah. contract, not playing well, turned up out of shape. You've got Beal, who is more valuable in terms of you are going to look for trade assets. Um, I think Beal probably has more value from a trade point of view than what Wall does at the moment. But from a team dynamic point of view, you'd probably prefer to see John Wall moved on. I mean, it's an interesting uh, question, I think, for Grunfeld and for the organisation as to how they move forward from here, isn't it? Sorry, I just had you on mute there, mate. It is a conundrum. It's it's way worse than the than the Portland conundrum, where at least you got CJ and Dame love playing together, and it's the rest of the roster that's the problem. Is that this is just a bit of a Gordian knot? Like where do you where did you begin with this? Can you blow it up? Can you not? What do you mean by blow it up? Who's got trade value? 
who's going to be the player that stays around what can you get for it it's a this is a this is a um probably an exam question far beyond i'll be blunt far beyond the capability of ernie grunfeld it is he is he's created the situation kudos he's drafted pretty well right to draft a badly bradley beal and porter has been pretty good i think that's a tough decision with Otto Porter, it's again it's one of these decisions, you know, extending Otto Porter on his gigantic deal. Don't forget that either, Daz. He's mm-hmm. on a gigantic, not quite max extension. You know, each in a vacuum, you kind of go, you had to extend Wall, right? And you go, wow, Beal's probably a more rounded player and a perfect fit for the modern NBA. You kind of had to give him a max, didn't you? Then you see Otto Porter, who's this beautiful 3 and D who's got some upside. And you're like, gee, you kind of had to pay him 20-some million dollars a year. It's just the the irony here is that the, the, the you know the the hole isn't greater than the sum of the parts, and part of that goes to coaching, part of that goes to chemistry, and part of that goes to what sort of culture that Grunfeld is allowing be built, you know, in this team and instilling Austin Rivers, Dwight Howard, and Jeff Green to an already shaky mix just proves right. It is that's not bloody rocket science. That proves that this is not the right. You know, it's not exactly Bellinelli and Ilyasova stability he's brought into this locker room, right? He's brought a whole bunch of more variables and a whole bunch of more volatility, which we're, we're seeing already is is playing out just as we thought it would. So I don't know, Des. I literally have no clue about how you, how you unravel this, but um, I think their path is cast, that this team is this team, and there's so many long-term deals that and I think Scotty Brooks is going to have to coach his way through this, and then so all the pressure is going to fall on Scotty Brooks, I'm afraid. Yeah, look, just I, to sort of as I said, we'll see what happens when they come home because they've, they've had the hardest. There's nothing tougher than coming as Eastern Conference team. There's things you've got to work out, and you're straight away on the Western Conference road trip. Um, as I said, not the toughest road trip you're going to have, but it is tough to go straight on the road um, to start a season. So I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt in, in terms of I think they can turn around and get back to around the 500 mark, as you suggested. But uh, either way, I think this it's is going to end in tears. It's going to, I mean, it's just going to blow up again. What you, so that was the comments I read to you right after the after the Sacramento loss and the team, you know, on this long road but trip. But in some ways, though, Daz, I look at them comments and I'm a little bit encouraged because I think a Beal and Wall on the same page here, I'd be more worried if they come out with completely opposite, um, uh, you know, comments and they're attacking look, each other. That's right. Yeah, but now you've got your leaders calling out your younger players, right? So I go there. We already know that the the so it's fair. And and does that mean that this fracture has healed and that Wall and Beal are like a strong, you know, they've got the you know they're a strong unit now? I don't know. So you're right. I guess there's something that both seeing the same problem, but I go this is just a new problem, and it feels like the whack-a-mole game, Daz. I go now. You got the Kelly Oubre problem and the and the Otto Porter problem. Great. Now, what, when's gonna when's the Dwight problem gonna get whack-a-mole? When's the you know when's the Jan Mahimi minus forty one you know plus minus gonna hit whack-a-mole? It just feels like which one's popping up. My point to the whack-a-mole here was was the so they had that you know okay yay Beal and Port, uh, Beal and Waller on the same page after Sacramento. They're on this long road trip. Team got together in a hotel, had a bit of a you know practice in a team meeting where they you know come you know tried to rally together. I think is how they reported. It wasn't like a quote players only, but it was a bit of a come on guys, let's fucking rally together. And after the inspirational sort of you know speech and get it together, they go and promptly take the floor in Los Angeles 
and give up 136 points to the Clippers and lose by 32. Mm. It's like, oh, where, where's the leadership? Where's the strength? Where's the, you know, there's no Giannis dragging this Jason Kidd-led fucking dragging anchor across the finish line here with John Wall. There's no LeBron dragging this ragtag bunch of clowns to victories. There's not even an AD here, right, trying to drag this team, you know, through an abyss. You know, this this is a team that just doesn't have the talent, right? Bradley Beal needs to have the ball passed to him. John Wall, you know, is the, is the orchestrator here. And that that's just not a combination that is leading on the court, leading this team in any sort of meaningful, measurable way. So that, for me, is the bigger risk now on the court is that, even if they're you know happy do- hunky dory now, what what is this team? Are they playing any defense whatsoever? And when you're waiting and holding your breath for Dwight Howard to come and play to save your season or to get on track, you you <laughs> you you are in trouble. You are led by Ernie Grunfeld if that's where you're at. And I I almost feel for him. I'm um and I have pre agency. Whatever the you know pre-train wreck, the are the way the Cavaliers fans are feeling now is a rev your engines, Washington. You're about to have, yeah, you know, things that things things are going to get worse before they get better. Yes, they'll come home and probably win some games, Daz. But I, well, seriously, do you believe that this is gonna they're gonna write the ship and win 52 and oh no, you know, give Milwaukee no. and Philly can, for yeah. I think they can maybe get yeah. back to back if if they can level the ship. At least at home, I think you can save Scott Brooks's job. That's that's going to be the first point of business for them. If they come home and continue to put up performances like this, uh, Scott Brooks is not long for the NBA. Um, and you wonder if he'll get another job because it hasn't gone well for him there in Washington. So they're certainly a team to watch over the next week. And another team, does, and I think this team's going even worse than Washington, believe it or not, and that's Minnesota. What, you would have watched a bit more of them against uh, Milwaukee. Did. What did you see? What, what were you? What were the signs, Des? I saw the Bucks come out and play completely listless, lifeless, limp. Budenholzer had, I think, 11 guys played in the first quarter of that game at Minnesota. It was just the, the probably the worst quarter of the Bucks season this year. And at the end of the first quarter, they were up 27 to 16, Des. <laughs> I'm not joking. It was yeah. Giannis got benched because he was just stuttering and just wasn't. It was just they weren't themselves. And they were up 11. I saw, I saw Carl Anthony Towns. He's, he's a, in the same camp, right? And I just mean the one thing he has in common with Joel Embiid is he is so fundamentally not wired to lead a team in very, very different ways and very, very different personalities. But to have that level of talent and to be so listless on both the offensive and defensive end and, uh, was palpable. You could see it on just about every possession. Cat gave nothing. Um, and what I also saw, I saw Jimmy running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Jimmy Butler played and he played hard and Jimmy tried. Jimmy did what Jimmy does, which is, I think it was out of whatever, 23, five and five. And he did his best to try and cover the gargantuan gaps between, you know, between wide open um, Chris Middleton and wide open Tony Snell you know, on the perimeter, he was busting his ass and, and Teague was overmatched and Todd Gibson was um, in, an embarrassment to himself, but probably more a, a, a reflection of the embarrassment of his coach where Todd Gibson's getting posts up Daz and Giannis would just reject him standing still and Todd would get the ball back in the post and try and back him down 
waiting for some back action on the weak side to try and you know throw it over the top that would get intercepted by Dante DiVincenzo. I mean, their offensive you know, effort aside, their whole offensive scheme looks like something from, I don't know, from, from AAU ball, from something that just doesn't work. So they are, um, so Washington is this, you know, this, it's a chemistry experiment, right? Where they got all these elements together in this cauldron kind of going, boy, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to explode <laughs> or, or melt the cauldron. You just know something's going to happen, but it still could turn out okay, right? This, I don't know what the metaphor would be for Minnesota. We've been talking about this for months, and the on-court product, it is just what on earth is going to be the circuit breaker here? Are you going to fire your president of basketball operations and your head coach and completely torpedo the entire season, right, and, and perhaps more by doing so? Or are you going to try and trade Jimmy Butler for pennies on the dollar, which will torpedo your assets and probably make you lose more games? Or are you going to shop your gigantic extended 22-year-olds who don't seem terribly interested in basketball in Cat or, or Wiggins? Like, you really can't do that. I go, this is actually is more of an intractable problem for me than Washington, because Washington at least has – if you got a sensible coach, got rid of some of the ancillary pieces like Dwight and Jeff Green and brought in some strong vets in there, maybe got a veteran coach, I can actually see Washington be a, you know, a competitive and somewhat stable kind of franchise, believe it or not, or the, the immediate future for, for Minnesota for me. And you tell me if you've got a crystal ball or you can see a path, I just can you imagine just how ugly these paths are? I just, uh, they're each uglier than the, than the one next to it. Certainly, the four the four first round draft picks philosophy or theory that that Houston's offering is going to fall on deaf ears um, from Tom Thibodeau. Hey, fuck draft picks, <laughs> draft picks don't help. Fuck draft picks. I don't even play first rounders. Fuck draft, you know, Derrick Rose. You know, <laughs> fuck draft picks. So I go, that ain't that ain't. There's Jimmy ain't going to Houston. You know, well, I'd take you know, that Tom, deal in the heartbeat, but of, of course you'd have to sack Thibodeau. Pretty much as a two for one. Um, well, I mean, you'd have that's right. You'd what have to what have player? Maybe. I mean, are they giving Eric Gordon up with that, or is it just because there'd have to be some sort of salary match there? Yeah, but Jimmy's not paid. Jimmy's like he's only making like twenty million. So they're insisting on um, they're insisting on Eric Gordon, and I think that sounds like the. I don't know where this is at in the level of seriousness. I know who leaked this to Woj is the question. So who's got the most to gain? by this being leaked is probably Jimmy Butler's agent, right? Or I doubt either side really wanted this floated, but it's again Jimmy's camp is probably the is the only sort of party in this situation. Well the problem is too benefits. Houston aren't going away anytime soon. So they're going to be competitive uh, to varying degrees with over the next four years. Right. So even you know I don't think any of those draft picks I'd I'd be shocked if any of them were in the top ten. To be honest, the way Houston is set up at the moment. Yeah, well, so the the because the rule at Stepien rule, you can only trade them every other season, and you can and you can't really have protections on them. So it's it's actually kind of hard to structure them. So you could say, unless they're fully unprotected, which you can do. So you go, man, you saw what happened to Brooklyn when you fully unprotect. In this case, it'd be nineteen, twenty-one, twenty-three, and twenty-five because your picks yeah, so can't go in consecutive years. And it can't go beyond seven years. Like they can't trade a 
2030 pick for example, it could be maximum seven years in the future. So therefore, it have to be on protecteds. And Daryl Morey, right, has done the math and probably has you know NPVs, net present values on on these picks. And if he's looking at Brooklyn as a cautionary tale to go, boy, there is a lot of risk baked into trading unprotected 2023 and 2025 picks, even knowing there's a you know there's a you know, snowball's chance that he's going to be around to see those drafts in 23 and 25. He's still probably doing the math and and working out that's gosh. That's that actually might be a lot an overpay, you know, for a player. Oh, there's no doubt it's an overpay, but I don't think from Minnesota's point of view too, I wouldn't be putting any great hope on those draft picks. And and to your point, they're not even if they are going to be good draft picks, they're not going to be good draft picks till 2023, 2025. And given the history of the Houston franchise, which has been one of the most steady and successful franchises since the mid 90s, um, I wouldn't be putting any great stock in those. I mean, this is not a team that's picked high, Daz. I don't, I, I don't know. That's true. And I go. I just think the way they more picked high once with, with is, Yao Ming. They did, but I go. If you, imagine he does it. I think the down. What's the? He's got quite a, a, a great fallback position. Is okay. Let's say, you know, they don't win a title this year, and I go, gosh, they still got a thirty-year-old Jimmy Butler. Well, I don't like it for Houston either. By the way, I, I don't like the trade for Houston. I think it's a, because you're not convinced he's going to resign anyway. It's not about resigning. This is all about can we dethrone the king? Can we dethrone Golden State now? That's the only reason he well, would do this Well, not trade, from right? what we've seen Chris from them Paul's, so far. Well, it's a whole different story, right? Because the, the Houston, no, you're right. They, they haven't. I wonder if that's part of his calculus by saying, knowing what he's seeing is, fuck, I can't give up Eric Gordon in this. I need mm, all the firepower exactly. I can exactly. get. Even though their problems have been largely on the defensive end, their offense still is not the same when Chris Paul doesn't play. It's just not. And Harden hasn't been, I don't know if Harden doesn't care or he's not a hundred percent healthy, but there's something going on there. I think with Harden is, you know, even as much trouble and grief as I give him for his, because impervious, unflappable, you know, Brandon Ingram shoving in the back of the head can't even get a reaction out of him. Now, there's something. Well, I, I said don't know. coming into the season, doesn't seem I said, right, does it, Des? once he's run yeah. the MVP. I said, oh, I just don't think you're going to get the same level of motivation out of him. And he's been just going through the motions. And I think they thought coming into the season, we're good enough to just do what Golden State did last year and Roll just coast, out, huh? coast through. Yeah. We'll win 55. We'll work it in the plus. Well, guess what? When you're running Michael Carr Williams off your bench, the first guy off your bench, you're probably not good enough to just roll the ball out there and win 55 games. You're going to have to turn up night in, night out. And this is not, look, Chris Paul hasn't looked good either, does so far this season. Now, this is a guy that's traditionally played his way in the form. Eric Gordon shooting the ball terrible. James Ennis hasn't looked that good in the minutes. And, and I wasn't that high on the Ennis signing anyway, because I, I was excited when Ennis went to Detroit and he didn't do much there. Um, he really had one good sort of season at Memphis and hasn't lived up to that since. So I wasn't convinced on the sum of the parts. And then I sort of looked at it again and I went back and forth in this team, as you know, and we both settled on them as the one seed in the regular season. But having watched them now, the concerns I had, and I think you would have had starting the season, we're seeing them on the court, um, albeit... Yeah, Chris Paul and James Harden have only played the two games together so far because Harden's been injured and, and Paul got suspended. What do you make of Dan, Dan Tony 
Let me read it for you. Let me see what you make of this. Dan Tony says, the Rockets' defense is awful. It needs a do-over. <laughs> I go, come on. Come on, Mike, really? You're going to call out your defense? You let your general manager trade away your, your two greatest defenders and replaced it with well, they lost, you know, MCW and Brandon Knight. Well, know? they did lose yeah. their assistant coach who was credited with the defense, building that defense. Um, and Where did it, he go? It seemed, he just Where's retired. He? Um, so it, oh, okay. it seems as though they're trying to do the same thing as last year, but they've got a plan A when that doesn't work and all the switching's not working now because they just don't have the personnel to do that sort of defence. And there's guys no. open everywhere on the, on the court um, the way it is at the moment. And, and again, and I said this about Cleveland last year, and I said it a little bit about OKC last week, I look at this team and I ask myself, where's the improvement coming from, from this team? It's not coming from Marcus Chris. It's not coming from Brandon Knight. It's not coming from MCW who's going to all of a sudden hit it. Chris and I haven't even seen the court yet. That's right. So where, They haven't played a minute yet. Where is the improvement coming from for this team on the defensive end? Now, on the offensive end, I, yes, I think they can play Hartenstein, better. G. Clark, <laughs> G. Green, well, MCW. Yeah, no. there's no upside. There's no upside Anthony, at all. Right? Yeah. No, no upside at all um, on on this on this team at that in terms of what we're seeing at the moment. You, you know, um, and I think offensively, yes, I think they'll play better because Eric Gordon started very slowly. Chris Paul hasn't been playing as, as well, so I think there's there's room to improve on the offensive end. I don't see this defense getting much better, and that's why they either need a change of tact. Or they know, they need to start playing better individually, but I just think they're limited now because you don't have a Mute and you don't have a Reza, and PJ Tucker's a year older, etc. So there's just things now adding up against them. And I mean Donovan Mitchell just absolutely shredded them. Now, admittedly, that was without Chris Paul, but it was it was a complete another mismatch. And if you were looking, at, if 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 you had just said to someone the MVP's playing tonight. And it's either Donovan Mitchell or James Harden. There would have been no question who the person thought was the MVP from last season. It would not have been James Harden. So they knew they knew they were to step up. Let me. You're not going to be surprised by the correlation here, right? In the two games this year for the Rockets that were decided in single digits, right? A nine-point victory and a three-point loss. Carmelo Anthony had seven points in 29 minutes and nine points in 27 minutes and I combined six for 18 from the floor. That's 33%, right? Mm. So complete non-factor, right? In his highest scoring output of the season, where he was probably feeling great, six for 10 from downtown, he was raining threes. He scored 24 points in 34 minutes, right? 24 points in 18 shots, not too bad for Carmel Anthony. They lost by 20. Yep. <laughs> they got absolutely trucked. I go, that is absolutely not, that's not ironic. I go, that I think is what we're going to see is with, with defensive intensity or a game where there's right there's activity. You know, granted, one of the seven points where don't, don't mistake Los Angeles Lakers for defensive intensity, but they run around like headless chooks, right? He was completely useless in that game, seven points in 29 minutes in the game they beat the Lakers with, you know, with the well, punch up. And but, if um, you get a chance, have a look at the highlights of Donovan Mitchell versus uh, Carmelo because they just kept uh, running a funny. pick and roll getting Camelo and he was it was embarrassing to suggest that guy is an NBA defender 
Um, He's, it was yeah. it was really really bad. So uh, as it was for OKC in the playoffs last year. So they're seeing now the limitations of this roster. Um, on Dan Tony, he has already come out with the quote of the season. Though, Daz, did you see what he said um, when they asked him about the suspensions um, of Chris Paul? No, no. What did he say? He said, "I'm just glad they didn't suspend Boris Diaw again." <laughs> <laughs> Touche. So I thought yeah. that was great. <laughs> was well, the, great. Um, the the funny the funny quote from my part of the world was um, after the fight. I said Clay Matthews probably got suspended for this one too. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, so there's all cool. kinds of barbs going. But uh, yeah, look, uh, Houston has they still have time, right? They still have time. I think this offense, if they get motivated, that still can be you know still be quite a powerful offense. Um, even just the three, you know, with with Paul Harden and Capella and Gordon just bombs away. But boy, they are to say the least. They are not deep. They don't play defense. Carmelo's not the answer. MCW Knight, Marquise Chris are in no way, shape, or form. You know, Trevor Ariza, Ryan Anderson, and um, Luke Richard Baamute. And boy, howdy, this could be a the greatest. I don't know. We'll see what happens here. But I. Are you not bracing for this team to perhaps be the, you know, to do a deep drop from the number one seed to something that's, you know, towards the bottom end of the playoff picture? Or are you sort of feeling like Houston's still where it stands at one and four with all their, you know, known issues? Does it still feel like to you, though, a top four team does? What's your your gut tell you on this team? I'm I'm in a watching mode at the moment. My eyebrows are raised, to put it that way. And if you don't see a reaction from this team in the next four or five games, they could easily slip to three and seven sort of a start. And that, in the Western Conference, which we're about to sort of delve into a bit deeper, that's very, very difficult to bounce back from. And they're already losing games to some of the other teams that are going to be competing with them. you know, in that sort of middle of the range team. I mean, one thing's for certain: they're not going to they're not going to be the number one seed. Yeah, yeah and, the, and the Clippers have got their number. Yeah. Utah look like they had their number. Like this is a team with some real problems, and you just wonder. You know, Harden's already out for a couple of games. Once once he comes back, and you see that Paul Harden, Capella, and they get a few games under their belt. If they continue to lose, then then you can sort of hit the panic button. But Certainly, the way this team's constructed at the moment, they're not a contender. I think we can we can throw that out, and, and we'll see if one of these other Western Conference teams comes out as a defend as a contender. But we did feel at the start the biggest threat to the Warriors would come out of the East, even though we thought Houston would probably be better in the regular season than they've been. And I still sort of stand by that, unless they can pull off. Um, this trade for Jimmy Butler. But certainly, there's a big watch on Houston. I think in the next couple of weeks to see if they can pull out of this. So after leave episode 65 there, uh, due to some technical difficulties we had on the Monday night, but we're going to pick it up again on Thursday night for episode 66. And if you do listen to the podcast and you want to support us, just leave a message or a rating on iTunes where you download all your pods.